Today's lesson is written in Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Tim. If we haven't met, one of the pastors here at Alleluia, welcome. If you're a visitor here today, a special welcome to you. It's a special day here. Uh, baptism coming up, uh, first Bibles and new member reception, and it's my son's 21st birthday. Can you? Yeah, well, he's not here, so don't clap. He's a junior at college at Augustana in Rock Island, and he's with family, so that's good. Uh, but I uh, can't believe he was 12 years old when we moved here. It's uh, crazy how it goes so fast. And uh, he's... Uh, He's enjoying college. He's, he's now an official adult, so uh, that'll be interesting. Um, he reminds me of that all the time. I'm like all last year, he's like, Dad, I'm 20. You know, he says that a lot. Um, but yeah, he was 12. And right before we moved here, uh, he was on a basketball, traveling basketball team uh, for our city called Woodbury, and it was fifth grade. And... Um, I was asked to volunteer uh, assistant coach with the head coach on the left-hand side over there. And he, was the head, he said, would you want to help be assistant coach? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll help, which I found out really meant just keep stats on the bench and stay quiet. That's what that means. But it was fun. And here, we, a picture of us at uh, Target Center. We got to uh, play before one of the games and uh, play a neighboring city, and it was great. And he loved it. He was great, and it was just so much fun to watch. But the reason I'm bringing this up um, and telling an AJ story on his 21st birthday, um, Kent over there on the left uh, was an attorney in town, and he and a partner had this really nice office, and he had this elaborate conference room at this huge table. So he, he brought the team there for a preseason meeting, and I'm there, and some of the dads are standing in the back, you know, not around. The kids are sit seated at this conference table. And Ken hands out this playbook to the boys that's as thick as the old phone books used to be. I'm not making this up. It's a three-ring binder. It's got stacks of pages with plays for fifth graders. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And the dads are like, whoa. And the kids start paging through, and they're like, what? I mean, if you know anything about basketball, there were things in here for these fifth graders, match-up zones, elaborate picks and rolls, elaborate plays, and we're, I'm like, the goal would be to not dribble the ball off their feet. The goal would be to not throw the ball to the other team. How about the goal of just getting a shot up every time we get across half court? I mean, I couldn't believe it, and the boys were like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, I don't think you guys need to know these plays before the start of the season, but I'd like you to know them a few weeks in. <laughs> Too complicated. They never learned the playbook, by the way. They had a good season, but they never learned the playbook. 
We uh, have been working with a playbook, and I hope you have one. And if you don't have one of these right now, you can raise your hand. Don't be shy. The ushers will come and bring you one. There's a few down here in the front here. And as they're doing that, um, we uh, have a vision statement inside from week one that we're uh, introducing this fall to you. And we're going to go ahead and um, put that up on the screen. So we're going to do Roman numeral one. We're on the back page today. It's uh, week three of the series, September 21st and 22nd, phase three special teams. And we're, number one is to review our game plan, which is, again, our all the vision statement. So why don't we read this, if you can see the screen, t- uh, let's read it together. To be a Christ-centered and welcoming community, embracing and sharing God's grace, hope, and unconditional love. Now the first week of the series, we spent on the bottom three lines Um, to embrace and share God's grace, hope, and unconditional love as we talked about phase one of the the playbook, which is high-powered offense. But the high power comes from the higher power. The high power comes from God. Turn to someone right now and go, the power don't come from you, baby. Say that to someone right now. Power don't come from you, baby. Say it out loud. The power comes from God to you and through you. And the power are those gifts mentioned in the bottom uh, part of that vision statement, his grace, hope, unconditional love, gifts from God. We are the recipients, and to be a high-powered offense, a high-powered church for Christ, is to understand that the power isn't from us, it's from God. It comes to us and goes through us into those around us. Last week, we talked about stellar defense, which would be the top Uh, part, to be a Christ-centered and welcoming community. To be a welcoming community. We we read the words of Jesus uh, last week where he told his followers, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Then be last and servant of all. You want to be great in God's eyes? Don't go by the world's standards then of what greatness is. Go by God's standards, which is sharing his love with the least of these. Defend those who can't defend themselves. Serve those who need to be served. Well, today, we're going to move uh, into uh, what is special teams. And you don't need me to tell you, especially if you know football, how important special teams are to the three phases of football. Here we have Devin Hester in 2006, arguably the best return man to ever play the game, with all due respect to Neon Dion. And he... um, just rocked our world as Bears fans. Can I get an amen on that? Right, Super Bowl against the Colts, opening kick. What'd he do? Yeah. And then it all went downhill from there. Hashtag Rex Grossman. Thanks for that. But how important are special teams? They changed the game on a dime. Kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, blocking field goals. I mean, special teams. A third phase of the game and equally important to offense and defense. And now this could be a little fresh still for some of us. But last year in the playoffs, the infamous double doink. The infamous double doink. Parkey hits the left upright, which he had done four times in one game earlier during the year, but we thought it would be okay to keep him. Then the ball goes down towards the crossbar, hits the crossbar, and instead of going through and having Bears fans jumping around our family rooms and wherever else we were, it bounds out towards the field. And I'm just about over that myself. I don't know how you're doing. Special teams, 
one play. Game changing. When the church comes together for special teams, the New Testament in Greek calls that ecclesia. Everyone say ecclesia. Ecclesia. That is the Greek word for church. Anytime you read the New Testament and you read church, it's ecclesia. What is that? Well, does it mean the building? Is it brick and mortar? Is it, the, is it the church on the corner with the cross at the top of the steeple? What is church? Ecclesia translates literally for, in the Greek a gathering of God's people. And so when we talk about the church of Christ, it's not the building. It's the people. It's the gathering of God's people. And they gather together, and as special teams, they get together and they reflect Christ's light in the world. They are Jesus. They reflect the cross. They point to the cross of Jesus. They are the believers, the gathering. And that's what we are right here. Alia Church is not the building you're sitting in. The church is you. Turn to someone and say, the church is you. Go ahead and say that out loud with conviction. The church is you. Let's go to the text today. Matthew 5, 13 in your Bibles. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew 5, 13. Jesus is speaking. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That can mean at least a couple of things. Jesus was always good at using the things around him as illustrations and metaphors for teaching. And he said, you are the salt of the earth. And those who first heard it would know he meant at least a couple things. One is salt in Jesus' day was a preservative. I mean, people, as Jesus said this for the first time, were not going to their $4,000 stainless steel fridge and freezer combo with a lighted water and ice dispenser, crushed as well. Thank you. No. How would they preserve meat? They'd pack it in what? Salt. And often just bury it in the ground where it would be cooler. The first century cellar, if you will. But they would preserve it. So Jesus is saying, you are the ones who preserve God's creation. You're called to preserve the beauty of creation. And not just nature, but even more important, the most precious creation of God is you and me. Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be preserving my people, with grace and hope and love. The next thing he says is in 514, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. What is he saying? Well, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, we talked about this incredible statement of Jesus because Jesus says a bunch of what we call in Scripture the I am's. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. And he has at least seven of these in the Gospels. And he also says, I am the light of the world. But in this verse, he says what? You are the light of the world. Now, I'm fine and comfortable when Jesus says, I am the light of the world about himself, and I am the bread of life, 
and I am the good shepherd. I'm like, yep, you are. Yep, you are. Because you are Lord. You are Savior. You are God in flesh. You are the Redeemer. And that's good. But when you look at me, Jesus, and you point at me and you say, you are the light of the world. Ah, what? Gets me a little out of my comfort zone. What did he mean? Well, what did he say? A city on a hill can't be hid. He's saying Christianity is meant to be seen. He's saying there's no such thing as private Christianity. You don't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. You put it on its stand so the whole room can be lit up. In the darkness of the world, Jesus is calling Christians across the globe to be that light. To be the light of Christ, the love and the hope and the grace that comes from faith. To light up not just the room, but the world. To be the light in the darkness. And you don't have to say amen or raise your hand, but is there anyone in the room this morning that thinks the world can be a pretty dark place sometimes? And Jesus is calling us, the ecclesia, to gather and be the light, to reflect Christ's light, to not beat people over the head with it, to not, to, to not be not to be inconsiderate of other people in their faith, but to not be so afraid to express their faith in the world that needs the light of Jesus more than ever. You are the light of the world. Shine your light, Jesus is saying. So let's go to Roman numeral two on the back of your uh, playbook. Special teams. They're first and foremost to be Christ-centered. Everyone say Christ-centered. The center of the dartboard at Hallelujah is a person, and his name is Jesus. Our mission statement is to enable all to come, connect, and commit to Jesus. Everyone say that. Jesus. He is. It's a person. It's not a philosophy. It's not an ideology. It's a person. And I want to, you know, come clean with you a little bit here. There are, there are some days, maybe even a week once in a while, for a senior pastor of Hallelujah, I get off track remembering this. Sometimes I have to remind myself that the center of our dartboard here is not the bottom line of our budget. And the center of our dartboard here is not the pastors or our staff. We have a lot of great programs. We have a lot of exciting things to do. There's always something coming up. There's always a way to serve. And yes, they all help us enable all to come connect and commit to Jesus, but they are not in and of themselves the center of the dartboard, the Christ-centered community that our vision statement is talking about, to be grounded always in Jesus, the risen Christ who died on a cross for you and me who lives so that you now can live. St. Paul writes in Colossians, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. John's Gospel said the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not overcome it. Christ has been before all things, and he holds it all together. He is the pie tin of all the pieces of the church. 
Christ-centered. Special teams for God are Christ-centered. B, reflecting the light of Christ. Everyone say, reflecting the light of Christ. Jesus is saying, let your light shine. It's been a tough week for the girls' volleyball team at Niqua. One of the players' fathers passed away recently. He lost his 15-year battle with cancer. He was diagnosed. They gave him two to four years. But his prayer was, I'd like to live to be 50, to see my two kids become young adults. And by God's grace, as we celebrated his life yesterday morning, he was 50. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is to talk about the theme of the celebration of his life and his funeral yesterday. It was lifting up the light for Christ that he was in his life, particularly in his illness. Think about that. The Bible says we are to give thanks to God in all things, for that's his will. And this father was a light for Christ even to his last breath. In his final days, he gave a testimony of faith to his family and friends surrounding him and talked about the light of Christ in his life and how he would like them now to live that out. The last song of the funeral, we all had electronic candles given to us when we entered the worship space. And as we sang the last song, we were instructed to turn those on to remember that Christ is the light of the world, even in the dark places. And to remember the light that he reflected in his life. Jesus is saying, your faith is to be reflecting my light. How will you do that? How will you do that? What relationship in your life right now needs the light of Christ? What neighbor could use a burst of Christ's light? What coworker that you're working with right now and you know, you know in your heart you're being nudged by the Spirit to reach out to them with the light of Christ but you're, you're holding back or you're scared or you're, you're nervous about it but you know you're supposed to. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Reflect that light. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors and uh, theologians, said this, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun. Not because I can see it, but because by it I can see everything else. Faith in Jesus changes our worldview. It changes our perspective. It changes how we view everything. And we are to reflect the light of Christ into the dark places. C, under Roman numeral two, game changers. Uh, father uh, of a, a young woman uh, in her 20s was at work telling his coworkers that his daughter got a surprise engaged. They didn't see it coming. And uh, it was going to be the first chance for him to meet the uh, soon-to-be son-in-law over the weekend. She was coming to visit. And uh, he took him out for coffee Saturday morning, the one-on-one, -on -one, the dad thing. And he asked him a question. He said, he said, he said, son, he said, you just graduated from college recently. Uh, do you have a job? And his soon-to-be son-in-law looked at him and he said, 
God will provide. And the father went, oh, it's interesting. He said, uh, when you get married, do you, do you have an apartment? Do you have a house? Do you, are you, where are you living? Do you have a place to live? And he looked now right into the father's eyes with conviction and said, God will provide. The father went, do you have any money tucked away? Do you have a nest egg? Do you have any inheritance? Have you got any thoughts on providing for, for you both and, and a family someday? He looked at him again and went, God will provide. Father went to work Monday and his buddies asked him, how'd it go with the son-in-law to be? And he says, you know what? I really like that kid a lot. He thinks I'm God. <laughs> that story brings us to the next point. It's wonderful to have faith. It's the most important thing. But we need to get in the game, too. We confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, but do we live that out by our actions and our words? We are to be game changers, special teams, in this phase of our life together as believers. Game changers because God calls us to get in step with his mission in the world, to be the church, not just say, oh, God will take care of everything. We trust that God will provide. But God is also whispering back through the Holy Spirit, get in the game. Be a game changer. Go to the dark places and bring my light for the sake of Christ and the kingdom. Roman numeral three, a city on a hill. Jesus says you can't hide a city on a hill. When all the lamps are lit in the dwellings, it lights up. You can't hide a city on the hill. You can't hide a church like Alleluia either. We're to be a city on a hill. Alleluia, we are a city on a hill. And everything we do, and every time we gather, and every time we worship, and every time we learn, and every time we serve, every time we are the ecclesia, we are to be the light in the world, the salt of the earth, the change agents, the game changers. Every Christmas Eve here, in the darkness of the room, we light a candle as we worship. And it reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. But it also reminds us as we hold that candle that we are to be as well. That we are to reflect his light. And so, hallelujah, as we think about wrapping up this series and this, this uh, playbook, it's not meant to be complicated. It's not thick as a phone book. It's simple. It's simple because we understand that the high-powered offense as the church is only because of God's gifts. That stellar defense is when we defend those who can't defend themselves. The special teams are when the ecclesia comes together to reflect the light of Christ in a world that is often oh so dark. To be a Christ-centered and welcoming community 
embracing and sharing God's grace, hope, and unconditional love. That is the game plan. That's our playbook. Get in the game. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us to be the light in the world. That can be daunting, Lord, when we pause to think about it. But your son Jesus tells us in Scripture today that a light and a city on a hill can't be hidden. Lord, stir us by your Holy Spirit to be the ecclesia, your church, your light in the world. Help us step up, Lord, to get in the game, to live for you, for the glory of your kingdom, to share your love with all people. Lord, we thank you for this church called Alleluia. We are so blessed by the gifts of one another. Thank you for the partnership and ministry that we all share. But Lord, may we never be complacent as a community of faith. May you always call us to the next step. May you always call us to the next level to live for you and shine your light. For Jesus' sake, and it's in his name we pray and we all said together, amen.